Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. الحمد لله الحمد الشاكرين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقدة من لساني يفقهوا قولي السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته dear brothers and sisters tonight inshallah we will start the tafsir of surah al-a'la this is surah number 9 according to the order of revelation so far we have uh, finish the tafsir of the following surahs in order, again according to the order of revelation, we started with surah al-alaq, then we continued with surah al-muddathir, ya ayyuhal muddathir, qum fa'andir, then it was surah al-qalam, noon wal-qalam wa ma yastu'un, then we did surah al-muzammil, ya ayyuhal muzammil, qum al-layla illa qalina, then we did surah al-fatiha, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Then we did Surah Al-Masal. The last time we finished Surah Al-Takweer. So those were seven surahs in the order of revelation and according to the narration by most of the commentators, Surah Al-A'la came right after Surah Al-Takweer. So tonight, inshallah, we will do Surah Al-A'la. And remember one more thing that we are still following the order of revelation. Quran is still being revealed. There is not much of the Qur'an had been revealed yet. As we already mentioned, there are only seven surahs, or at least even part of them, because some of them were not revealed in their entirety, in their completeness. So the Qur'an is still being revealed. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he has a few companions, few people who have believed in him. And there are the majority of Mecca and Quraysh are still opposing the Dawah. They are still against it. Some of them are shocked, some of them are surprised, some of them had taken upon their shoulder to stand against this da'wah, like Abu Lahab, the uncle of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who was addressed in Surah Al-Masad, like Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira, who was addressed in Surah Al-Qalam, وَلَا تُطْعَ كُلَّ حَلَّافٍ مَهِينٍ Like Abu Jahl, who was addressed in Surah Al-Alaq, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ كَلَّا إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَا يَطْغَى referring to Abu Jahl. So this was the situation, the environment still. Uh, Islam at its infancy, Islam is still approaching the society of Mecca and addressing major issues. Last time when we talked about Surah Al-Takweer, Surah Al-Takweer addressed two major issues. One, one of the social illnesses in Mecca which is burying the child alive. And the second issue is the issue of Wahi in general. The issue the fact that there is a wahi, there is Jibreel, there is someone who is bringing the message from Allah Azza wa Jal. And the Quran talked about at, at length when it said, إِنَّهُ لَقَوْلُ رَسُولٍ كَرِيمٍ مُطَاعًا ذِي قُوَّةٍ عِنْدَ ذِي الْعَرْشِ مَكِينٍ مُطَاعًا ثَمَّ أَمِينٍ Talking about Jibreel being the one who, who he has power, he is being obeyed, he, has, he is honest, he is trustworthy. So the Quran is still setting the stage, if you will, for this new message, for this Islam to address the society of Mecca. Surah Al-A'la now comes along these lines. Again, this is uh, an earlier surah, so it is addressing a major issue. The major issue here is this connection between the Muslims and the Creator. Again, repeating the issue of Rabb and Rububiyyah. So it begins with the ayah, Sabbih isma rabbika al-A'la alladhi khalaqa fasawwa. Going back to this issue of Allah, the Creator, the Rabb. That this whole deen is about Allah Azza wa Jal. It's about Allah being a Rabb, Allah being the God, Allah being the Creator, Allah being the one who provides the guidance. So it is 
One more time and remember, this issue of the Aqeedah, we call it, the foundation of Islam, will continue to be repeated throughout the Qur'an. Whether it's in Mecca or the Qur'an which is revealed in Medina, this issue of Allah being the Rabb, being the Creator, being the, the source of guidance will always be repeated. So we will not find a surah in the Qur'an where it does not have this notion of who Allah is, who the Creator is, who the Rabb is, who should be obeyed. So this one, this surah, begins with this issue, with this notion of Sabbih isma rabbika al-a'la Sabbih means glorify or gratify or uh, make like ta'zim, being the great that the name of your Rabb should be the greatest and in Mecca, in Mecca the, the very common word by the Jahiliya, by the Mushrikeen whenever they wanted to talk about their gods, their idols <coughs> They would use the word "ulu." Ulu means raise up. Ulu huban. And this notion of ulu huban, whenever someone talks about Allah, about Islam, about the new religion, so these guys, the kuffar, the mushrikeen, when they wanted to run away from Islam and to say something to to confirm that they continue to believe in their idols, they would say ulu huban. Ulu huban means put huban up, raise huban up. Now Allah Azza wa Jal bringing this notion now of that Allah is not only high but He's the highest. Rabbik al-A'la. Al-A'la, anytime you say I have a high, a high position, then you say this is a higher position. This yet a higher position until you say al-A'la. Al-A'la means the, the most highest, the absolute highest. There is nothing beyond. There is nothing above and beyond Allah Azza wa Jal. So this brings this notion that your Rabb, Ya Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, despite the fact that they continue to say raise high or high up the position of Hubal or Allah or Al-Uzza, your Rabb, Ya Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, your Rabb is Al-A'la, he is the highest. There is nothing above and beyond or higher than Allah Azza wa Jal. So make Tasbih, and Tasbih means Make sure that nothing is like your Rabb. Any, any notion that comes up to your mind, even when you have a good notion, like a mercy. Allah Azza wa Jalla's mercy is beyond the mercy that you know. When you talk about justice, the other day a brother was asking me about how is it possible that Allah Azza wa Jalla, the justice of Allah, to create me as a limited human being with uh, all types of emotions and desires, and then he will hold me accountable for that, he should have created me in a different manner. Now he is measuring the justice of Allah to the justice he has in his brain. The justice of Allah is beyond our comprehension. It's not, it's not like our justice. His greatness is not like our greatness. His power is not like our power. It's, it is something without limits. We all deal with the limited things. Anything we deal with, the mercy, the power, the uh, level, all have limits, all have boundaries. Allah Azza wa Jal, He has no limits. His power has no limits. His justice has no limits. His mercy has no limits. His forgiveness has no limits. His punishment, His wrath, His anger has no limits. Everything has to do with Allah Azza wa Jal is beyond boundaries. So at tasbih, when we say tasbih, sabbih, means make sure, make sure that you never put Allah Azza wa Jal in any category like the categories you know. Never put or describe Allah Azza wa Jal in a manner that looks like the things which we know. Allah Azza wa Jal is beyond our knowledge, is beyond the limitations, is beyond the boundaries, is beyond the comprehension of mind. The existence of Allah, the fact that there is Allah, there is a God, is within the comprehension of our mind. Our brain can understand that. Our brain can understand that behind this world there is a creator. As he, he says, the fact that he created, there is a creation, we know that. We can comprehend it. I know for sure, as a definite answer in my brain, that the world that I live in cannot be a world that is sustained on its own. I know that the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies, no matter how big they are, how strong they are, they all have boundaries and limits, both in time and space, therefore they will be created. So I know for sure there is a creator, but that creator, I have to make tasbih for him. 
Tasbih means I have to glorify him in a manner that I do not describe anything like Allah Azza wa So that's the Tasbih. And then the notion here, Sabbih isma rabbikal a'la, it's a challenge, it's a challenge to the kuffar of Mecca. Still, again, the new Quran is being revealed and the people in Mecca, especially the Mushrikeen, they are shocked with this Islam. They don't even know how to handle these ayat. And here Allah Azza wa is bringing them a surah that begins with this issue, Sabbih isma rabbikal a'la. And it's a challenge to the kuffar for anyone to dare Anyone that can dare bring his own God or idol to say tasbih for him. To say sabbih huban, for example. Huban is the name of an idol. Or sabbih Allah. It's impossible. No one will dare ever, no matter how much he loves or adores or he worships that idol, will dare in his brain or in his mind or in front of the people to say sabbih isma huban. That the name of Huban is absolutely glorified. It's, it's, it's an idol, it's a stone. Everything is better than that stone. So that by itself, it immediately poses a challenge to the kuffar of Mecca, saying that this is the deen I am bringing. It's a deen that has a God, a creator, who is absolutely musabbah, munazza, mu'adham, he is great, nothing like him, and I dare you to bring any God like him. So my Rabb, the Rabb I believe in, the Rabb I listen to, the Rabb I take my orders from, the Rabb I take my regulations from, my laws from, the, 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 I, I take my instructions from, this Rabb is Munazzal. He has no mistakes, he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make a law today and tomorrow he says, you know, I'm sorry, I did that, that was a bad verdict, that was a bad law, take it out, let me give you another law. He doesn't do that. It's, he's not a God who's going to bring today a system to the people to live in when the people live in misery and have miserable life and say, oh, that was, that's not what I meant. I meant this laws for the different species or different animals. He doesn't do that. It is not like the gods of the day. Leave alone the Hubal and Allah of Quraysh. Even today, the gods of the people or the Rabb of the people, the lords of the people, those who make their legislation, those who make their systems, those who make all types of regulations, they are anything but muazza, anything but tasbih. You cannot make tasbih, you cannot make tasbih to the Security Council. You cannot make tasbih to the Congress. Congress is a legislator. It stands in the place just like Congress in America, Congress in Russia, Congress in China, Congress in Pakistan, Congress in Jordan. All of these people who come up at the end of the day and they sit together and they congregate and they make laws. At the end of the day, anyone in the world, can anyone in the world dare say, oh, these rules and laws that come from these people, from these congresses, are absolutely musabbah or murazza, error-free, that I can adore with all types of absolute respect, with absolute glorification? No, of course not. Because we all know, we all know that each and every law that is being passed today by any rump in the world is biased. The bias, in fact, the tasbih that Allah said, Sabbih isma rabbik, means make sure that the Rabb you, you worship has no bias whatsoever. Know that, understand that, be assured that, beware that, with utmost certainty that the Rabb you are worshiping, the Creator, doesn't have any bias whatsoever. He is munazzam. Now, when we talk about ourselves, the people. Now the idols, the idols cannot even be biased to anything because they can do nothing. So forget the idols of Mecca. The idols of Mecca are immediately dead or defeated by the very world. But talk about the lords of today, those who claim intelligence, uh, civicness, civilization, they claim all types of knowledge, they have the Googles behind them, the research institutes behind them. Anyone in the world, anyone, take any person and ask the question, do you think that any law that is passed today doesn't have a bias? Is it pure, absolutely pure? Just like Allah Azza wa Jal. Here we, without any hesitation, we say Allah Azza wa Jal is pure and His laws are pure. Musabbah. Can you say the same about any legislator in the world today? And this is a challenge. Challenge anyone. Even those who are absolutely obsessed 
with the so-called the systems of democracy, systems of people, systems made by people. If you are obsessed with them or anyone is obsessed with them, ask him the question, can you dare say that these laws have tasbih, have tanzeeh? Can you say sabbah isma the Congress? Sabbah the name of Congress. Can you say sabbah the name of Security Council? Can you say sabbah, sabbah the name of the king? Sabbah the name of the president? Sabbah the same of the Tawood? Sabbah the name of Pharaoh? Sabbah the name of Abu Jahl? Sabbah the name Sabbah Obama? Sabbah Bush? Sabbah uh, Baker or whoever? Can, you, can anybody say that? Even those who love them, they can't say that. They said these guys are error prone. They do errors. They are biased. Everybody has his own bias. You are biased to your color. You are biased to your uh, heritage. You are biased to your ancestors. You are biased to your, to your blood relations. You are biased to your money, to your wealth. To your we have all types of biases. This is how we are because we have instincts, because we are limited. Not because we are good or bad. That's not the issue. The issue we have biases. That's why we cannot be pure. Here Allah is beginning this surah by saying, You rock. The one you are worshipping, he is the highest and he is Musabbah. And you have to understand that he is beyond the criticism, he is beyond the bias, he is beyond the error, he is beyond the mistakes, he is beyond any of these, he is beyond anything that looks like a human. And not only that, the Prophet when he, when he was reading this, uh, uh, this surah, he told the people, the Muslims, then and later, this will be used in our prayer. So when we put our head down on the floor, which is the lowest possible thing when we are in our life, you put your forehead right on the floor, you say, Subhana Rabbiya Al-A'la. At the time when you are in your lowest position, you admit and recognize Allah Azza wa Jal is the highest. Allah Subhana Rabbiya Al-A'la. Subhana Rabbiya Al-A'la. You repeat that three times. You, you recognize and you believe and you have the certainty that the Rabb you are worshipping and you are bound down to, down to, he is the highest. That's why I can go down only to Allah Azza wa Jal. I cannot put my head down except to Allah Azza wa Jal. I cannot bow down except to Allah Azza wa Jal. I cannot give up my will, my rights, my ideas, my thoughts, my opinions, my biases, my emotions except to Allah Azza wa Jal because he is the highest and he is the absolute highest and he is Musabbah. He has no bias whatsoever. He is not going to hate me because I am an Arab or to like me because I am a Jew or to, to detest me because I look black or to, uh, to appreciate me because my color is white. He will not do that because all of us are his creations. سبح اسم ربك الأعلى الذي خلق فسوى خلق فسوى He made creation. And Allah Azza wa Jal, the issue of creation, خلق means creates. Sawa means put things in order. And that's when we say in the, in the prayer, we say sawa sufuf. When I, the imam comes here and says sawa sufuf, sawa sufuf means make your lights in order. No gaps, no crookedness. That's it. At taswiyah, sawa means things in order. So Allah Azza wa Jal says he did creation and his creation is in the best order. Now the creation by itself, that the fact that Allah is a creator, by itself deserves for him to be worshipped. Just to be a creator. But Allah says, look, it's not that I created you, period. I created you in the best manner. In Surah Al-Tin, it says, Created the human in the best manner possible. Ahsan means the best. You cannot have a better creation or better visualization of how the human should be. Here Allah Azza wa Jal, He says not only the human, but everything He created, He created perfect. And that defeats what is called the theory of evolution that some people adore about Darwin where they say the species, the reason they evolved because at certain stage they are not perfect and they keep moving up for perfection. Perfection means, or lack of perfection means the species, the way it exists, whether it's an amoeba or a virus or a bird or an animal or a human or a monkey or a camel or, 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 or a moon or a star or an atom or 
a water or a food, anything, anything that you look at, their theory of evolution means this species does not perform its functions as, it's, as it is supposed to, therefore it has to evolve into something new that allows it to perform its function. Which is absolutely ridiculous, that's not true. Because take any species whatsoever, any species you want, and look at the functions that it's currently performing. What it's, whether it's going to eat or drink, or the, the dissolve things, or convert food into energy. See whether that system is done in perfection or not. Each and every system, each and every species that's created, that exists. Whether it's a fly, Allah Azza wa He talks about a fly. The fly that flies sometimes and comes and bothers you, and you don't want it, you throw it away. He is making a challenge about that one. In the Quran, it says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ تَدْرُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ لَا يَخْلُقُونَ ذُبَابًا وَلَوْ اجْتَمَعُوا Those who you claim they are, other than Allah Azza wa Jal, they can do things. Let them do a fly. Not only that, I know they cannot do a fly, but if a fly stands on their arm, in their hand, and takes out something, let them extract it back if they can. And Allah talks about the mosquito and talks about all types of species. This is a creation of Allah that's beyond the ability of anyone to criticize. Is not only musabbah, is not only mu'adham, is not only great, is not only pure, is not only unbiased, is not only this, but he's the creator. And that is the reason, that's the reason behind which I accept him as my Rabb. Because he is the creator. He, well, creator means he is the source of my existence. That's, it's my existence that matters. My existence in this world that matters. So my existence together with the world I live in that matters. It's my existence as a living being because I care about myself as a living being. After I die, I don't even know what it is to be dead. Okay, now I am a living being. It's my life. It's me, the human. It's the universe I live in. Allah Azza wa Jal, the Creator means, He is the one who brought this into existence. And therefore, my existence, my life, the universe I live in, the earth, the mountains around me, the ground that I cultivate, the water I drink, the sun I take my heat from, or I take my light from, the universe that we all, the galaxy that we all live in, all of this, when Allah says, He created all of these, and therefore the source of my existence depends on Him. He is behind my existence. He is the reason for my existence. He is the cause of my existence and my being. And He is the cause of my being as I am. He is the cause of my being, my existence, as a person who can perform functions. I have eyes, I can see with them. I have eyes that I, I, I see with. I have ears that I, I hear with. I have taste that I can taste my food. I have a brain that I can think with. This is me. So everything about me, about my functionality is perfect. Allah put it all in order. Therefore, He is my Rabb by all means. There is no reason whatsoever to declare anyone else other than Allah to be my Rabb. And anyone who understands and knows that Allah is His creator. He is the one who created him in the manner you like to be created in. In the manner you like to be created in. Anyone who takes a Rabb other than Allah he is insane. Not the Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah keeps repeating this in the Qur'an. وَمَا صَاحِبُكُمْ بِمَجْنُونَ Your friend is not majnoon. مَا أَنْتَ بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ بِمَجْنُونَ You are not insane because of the Islam that you believe in. We who believe in Allah as a creator, as a one who makes things in order, and therefore he is a Rabb, he is my Rabb and he is my source of legislation and laws, he is my Lord. Because I believe that, there is no way you can call me insane. On the contrary, on the contrary, anyone who understands that Allah is behind this creation, Allah is the one who made his universe, Allah has made his existence perfect the way it is, and he made everything muqaddar, as we 
in the next ayah as it says. And then at the end of the day, he takes a law and a rule from someone who is biased, who is not pure, who is not creator, then that is insane. That is insane. And that is as Allah describes in the Quran, إِنْهُمْ إِلَّا كَالْأَنْعَامِ They are nothing but like animals. In fact, they are even more misguided. It all fits. Now, more so into this issue of aqidah, the issue of iman. The iman means, what is my perspective of this God I, I, I worship? Because this is very important to, to understand always the perspective, التصور, my visualization. And I mentioned this before, the religions, many religions before Islam, Christianity, Judaism, uh, other things like Buddhism, Hinduism, they have all types of, of crooked visualization or, uh, 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 or perspective of who the God they worship. I mentioned last time the Jews, they look at God or even the Christians when Adam, he ate from that tree in the heavens and he felt a little bit ashamed, he was hiding behind the bush in, in, in the heavens. And here God was seeking, looking for Adam all over and couldn't find him. So God was wandering in the heavens. And then he spotted Adam and said, Oh Adam, here you are. I got you. That type of image about God, that is, you can say that's not the way the perspective of a God is. Allah is telling us, is making this foundation here. Look, understand who your God is. Allah is the creator. He is not only a creator, he is a creator and he makes things correct, he makes them right. الذي خلق فسوى والذي قدر فهدى التقدير التقدير is one step beyond the creation. So Allah creates Adam. Within Adam, within this human, there are things which are characteristic of Adam. They are specific to the human. Which means each human has these qualities. There are qualities that Allah installs in a human, like the instincts. Each and every one among us, among the people, has an instinct, which is his, uh, his loyalty or his uh, wish or his will or his motivation to survive. It's called survive, survivoristic instinct. There is an instinct that pushes a human to keep and, 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 and preserve his survival. That's an instinct, this taqdeer. Taqdeer that Allah creates things and he creates properties within that thing. For example, the iron. Iron is a metal. It's when the gold is a metal. The zinc is a metal. The copper is a metal. All of these are metals. Each metal has property, which is different than the others. And those properties come from the structure, the atomic structure, or from the electronic structure. But at the end of the day, an iron or a steel has a property that it can be made such that it can cut things. So you can make knife out of that. You can make sword out of it. The gold has a property, a property that it doesn't dissolve or melt at a certain temp temperature. It does not change its color, its, its characteristics in all types of chemical. It is a property of the gold. So those properties, those specific characteristics or qualities or properties of things, this is taqdeer. That Allah Azawajal make taqdeer in things. That's, it's, it's just like in the initial khalq, the creation, he created people, he created people. But how, what is it that is characteristics to people that's different than the characteristic of the plant, for example, or the tree? There are things which are pure, specific, each and every human will have. The human will have an instinct to worship Allah Azza wa Jal. It's within us, within the people, whether he's a kafir or a Muslim, whether he's a Buddhist, whether he's a Christian, whether he's, as the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, كُلُّ مَوْلُودٍ يُولَدُ عَلَى الْفِطْرَةِ Each person when he is born, each born baby, whenever he or she is born, he has a fitra, he has the nature of creation. And his parents are the ones who make him either a Jew or a Christian, or later on he can be a Muslim. So there is a fitra, there is a fitra that allows me to shape up the person to be a religious one way or a religious in another way. But if that person, if the person doesn't have this fitra, well, we all, some of us have pets at home. 
You have a cat that's born or a dog or a camel or a cow or a calf that gives a baby. Can you make out of that baby cow, make it a Muslim or a Jew or a Christian or a Hindu? You can't. It doesn't have the fitrah to understand that. But with a baby, with a, with a human, you can raise the human and eventually this human will go and worship Allah in a synagogue or worship God in a, in a church or worship God in a mosque. Or he can go to the Buddhist temple or to Hinduist temple. Or he can be atheist. He can remain. In other words, this is a fitrah that exists within the human. This fitrah is taqdeer. So Allah when he says, qaddara means he creates, he installs in the things he creates certain properties. So the properties that exist in things are from Allah However now, using the property, using the property one way or another, this requires hidayah. That's where the next one, qaddara, he makes the properties, he installs them, and then he provides the guidance how to use this. Because you could have the iron being made, you made a knife out of, of an iron, you, made, you make a sword. With that sword, with that knife, you can slaughter a sheep for the sake of Allah on the day of Adha, or you go and kill babies like Bashar Asad doing in Syria. Each one is using the property that Allah created. It's the property that Allah creates in the knife or in the, in the, in the iron, so it becomes a cutting edge. So someone uses that as a murder tool, and someone uses that as something that you raise a sheep and you get the meat and you distribute to the poor so that the poor can eat. So the hidayah, the hidayah means Allah Azza wa He made sure that He will guide each and everything He creates to use the property He installs in it. So for us, the humans, the way Allah Azza wa made this hidayah, for us, He made it through messengers and the prophets and through books. That's why Allah Azza wa in the Quran, He says, This book has the guidance. For us, the manual or the instruction of how to use our properties, how do I fulfill my instinct of survival? My instinct of survival can lead me to be a nationalist and to bond only with people from my own blood. My instinct of survival can lead me to steal and take wealth and accumulate wealth the way I want. That's my instinct of survival. But Allah Azza wa says, no, you can't do that. You only can acquire wealth based on what I tell you what is halal and you cannot do the haram, like you cannot do riba. You cannot accumulate your wealth through riba. That's not allowed. Don't use your property, your instinct of survival, your love to own, to gain wealth through riba. You cannot steal. You cannot abuse the people and make use of their weakness and grab their money and take their wealth by force, like the 10% guy in Pakistan, they call him the 10%. Zardari things, and you have to, uh, uh, if you make any type of firm or whatever uh, wealth, he needs the person. By the way, it's not only in Pakistan, you not make in Pakistan, in Saudi Arabia they do the same. If you have a big establishment, someone will take your, your wealth. That's haram. You are not allowed to do that. Yes, I know Allah knows He created in you the proper, the, the instinct to own, but you cannot own by stealing the wealth of the people, by oppressing the people, by force taking their wealth. You do not go and deprive your rulers and governors so that you and the governors can take the wealth of the, the other There are many ways which you cannot do. You cannot do your wealth with prostitution. You cannot do your wealth with all types of illegal services. You cannot be an agent to a kafir or a spy on your Muslim brother and then take some money at the end of the day. You cannot do that. So the hidayah, Allah Azza wa made a hidayah and the economic system and the social system that, that are all detailed in the Quran and the Sunnah are to guide the people on how to live and how to satisfy their needs. Now when it comes to animals or non-humans, especially Everybody knows now, there are millions of studies. 
around that shows you that each and every species, the birds, the animals, the deers, the lions, the salmons, the, the fish in the sea, each and every one moves in a certain specific way such that his basic needs and instincts are satisfied. Without the brain, without the mind, without the, the knowledge, without the education, without all of these things, they know someone has guided them. So Allah provided the guidance to each and every species other than the human, other than the human, automatic. There is an automatic mode of operation, if you will. We, the humans, we have the non-automatic mode. It's the manual. It's the selection process. We select, we choose. And that is how Allah chose for this world one of the species, which is the humans, and there is the jinn also, which is beyond the scope of our, of our discussions, who have this type of will that you choose your order of life, your things, the way you want to, to behave in this life, based on your own will. So the guidance now to us is a manual of instructions. Our guidance is manual of instructions. The guidance to the others, other than the humans, are well-determined systems. The moon has its own orbit. It keeps going in that orbit time and time again, time and time again, nothing more, nothing less. That's all it does. It takes the light from the sun, reflects the light back to the earth and to another place, and keeps moving in phases. It doesn't change. Similarly, the stars, the plants, the sun, the, the, the planets, I mean, all of them, each one of them has its own orbit, it moves in the orbit. And many people, as I said, they bring those examples, the interesting examples, when they talk about the salmon, when the salmon, uh, after all types of journeys in the oceans, in the deep oceans, when it wants to lay down the eggs, it swims all the way against the, the, the river flow to top of mountains, places where it, it should lay down the eggs. It lays the eggs and then it dies. It doesn't exist. No longer there's a salmon. The eggs produces the new babies, comes out from the, the salmons. The salmons take the same trip, going back in the same track as their mothers have taken in the way up. And then they live and they wander in this world until the time for them to make their final time of laying eggs. They come back and lay it in almost the same place where their mother came from. No GPS, no Google Maps, nothing. There's which we which we use in order to go there to go places. Here, those type of species, they simply know their path. Somebody has dictated their path to them, dictated their life to them. This is Hidayah. So Allah here in the Quran, he says, I made the creation. I made the creation in this order. I installed in each creation certain properties and, and, and characteristics to allow this species, this piece of creation to survive and to exist. And I guided that to the life or to the means and the ways in which this thing or this species or this animal or this human can lead its life. Subhanallah. After all of this, the only thing that comes out of your word or your word, Subhanallah. And that's what the ayah starts, Sabbih isma rabbika al-a'la. So when it says, Sabbih isma rabbika al-a'la, definitely it's in harmony with what comes up, with, 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 with what comes later. So when you start thinking all of this, Allah, alladhi khalaq, fasawwa, qadda, fahada, and you understand all of this taqdeer, Everything has its own characteristic. There, there is nothing that motivates you or allows you to proceed in the life that Allah created you with and it's not there. Everything is there. Your emotions, once you start growing up, you reach age puberty, you have new emotions that start kicking in. New emotions start kicking in, your loyalty, you start becoming loyal, you are looking forward for the other gender. And for the other gender, something is happening, something is kicking within you that wants you to survive as a human. Breathing. That something has to come beyond you. It's not only your self-survival, but your race survival. That your whole race has to survive. This, these emotions start thinking again. You did not order them. You did not call for them. You did, your father did not come at certain age 
12 or 13 years old or 14 come and say, oh Muhammad, come now. You must have the following emotions. Let me tell you these emotions, what they are. They are there. They kick in at a certain time, certain age, and then eventually you find that these emotions, these are the ones that pushed you somehow to go and seek a woman and to get married or to get mated, and therefore they later on you will have children. Ah, your children now continue your race. Subhanallah. It's muqaddah. This is taqdeer. And then Allah says, ah, I'm not going to leave you with these emotions without telling you what to do with them. So here comes Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Oh, ya ma'ashar al-shabab, oh you young men, if you have what it takes and what is needed to get married, go and get married. Man malaka minkum al-baata faliyatazawaj, go and get married. And if you cannot get married now, then do the following, go and fast until you are able to do that. And Allah azza wa jal in the Qur'an, I'm going to read something into you. So when you wake up, you will open your eyes. Something is already installed in your brain. That we don't know. That we are not capable of. At least yet. Until now, that's not how we do. Allah is talking about this form or this time of putting the information and the knowledge in the head, in the brain of Muhammad without an effort without an effort on the on part of the Prophet In fact, Muhammad peace be upon him, he says quite often in hadith, نَفَثَ رُوحُ الْقُدُسِ فِي رَوْعِ رُوحُ الْقُدُسِ جِبْرِيلِ He blew into, رَوْعِ means into my conscience. He put something into my conscience, into my brain, into my head. That Allah Azza wa Jal says such and such and such. Then he tells the hadith. And you will find this in many places in the Quran that, oh, Jibreel did this to me. In other places he says, Jibreel comes and then he takes me, I lose my conscience, I'm so, I feel the heat. Then when Jibreel is out, all the sweat is coming from all over my body, then I will realize that I have a new surah in my head. And then he reads the surah. In another place, Allah Azza wa Jal tells Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Surah Al-Qiyamah, لا تحرك به لسانك لتعجل به إن علينا جمعه وقرآنا Don't even move your tongue. Sometimes when I read something for you, سبح اسم ربك الآن, repeat after me so you can memorize it. You start moving your tongue and lips so you can memorize it. You are actually reading behind me so you can get it in. Allah Azza wa Jal says, don't even do that. لا تحرك به لسانك Don't move your tongue with the Quran لتعجل به So that you speed up memorizing it إن علينا جمعه وقرآنه We will take care of collecting this Quran in your brain and then we will make sure that it becomes a Quran Don't worry about it And here the same thing Allah عز وجل استرد محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم سنقرئك فلا تنسى We will read into you the Quran and you will not forget it Although it is part of the characteristic of the human to forget, this is how the human brain is made of. Some cells die, some cells get revived, and you, you forget. We people, by nature, we forget. And the Prophet does forget. He's a human. But the Quran, he doesn't forget because Allah says, I will make sure that you will not forget it. فَلَا تَنْسَى In Arabic, لا, this is لا النَّافِيَةِ لا النَّافِيَةِ means you will not forget. Because sometimes some people, they may think, لا تنسى, it's an order, don't forget. Because it, I could say, لا تنسى, don't forget. Or لا تنسى, you will not forget. And those who read the Quran, if you read, you know, the character, the, the, the alphabets, you look at the end of the ayah, the end of the word, تنسى, there is this alif, which is crooked alif, called crooked alif, or the one like the yam, is there. That means, it, it, it makes me understand that the la, it means you will not. If it was don't, the order, like don't forget, then you will not have this. It will be s, tensa without this alif. So for those who read, and they took some classes in Arabic, or those who know the Arabic, it's very important. When you read that, you look at it, it means fala tensa means you will not forget. Because if it was an order, an instruction say, Oh Muhammad, I will read it to you, but don't forget. Then I will leave it up to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
He, if he forgets, then we are in trouble. We lose our hidayah. We don't get our source of guidance. Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, no, no, no. We will read it into you in a manner that you will not forget. It's not that don't forget, it's you will not forget. Now here is an exception. In the ayah, the next ayah says, unless Allah Azza wa Jal wants otherwise. Now it's Allah the one who installs the Quran in the brain of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He's the one who makes it permanent. He's the one who makes you don't forget. Now Allah Azza wa Jal, He can delete it. So the deletion from there is up to Allah Azza wa Jal. It's not up to Muhammad. So Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam cannot take anything out of his brain. So whatever is Quran in the brain of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which he conveys as the previous surah says, ما هو على الغيب بضنين He doesn't hide anything. So whatever Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gives to the people, that is exactly the Quran which is revealed by Allah. And that's very important because sometimes we say, oh, I hear this quite often. They say, yeah, we have no problem with the fact that Allah Azza wa Jal is a ruler. The rules come from Allah, from God. But how can we trust that the rules of God, what we have, are from God? Here in the Quran, Allah is building these blocks one by one. Saying, number one, when I designate a messenger, a malak from the angels, to take this Quran, I make sure that this malak is the absolutely strong, powerful, as we said last time in Surah Taqweer. Rasul Kareem is honorable, the quwa is with power, makin, makin is established, muta'a, He's absolutely obeyed, no one can disobey him. Amin, he's absolutely trustworthy. So from that end, he covered them. Then he comes to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One thing, whatever is read into him stays there. He has no choice. He cannot delete it, he cannot forget it. Allah Azza wa makes it permanent. Anything to be taken out of the bread of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah doesn't. Illa ma Allah. Says, Allah. If Allah wants, then He takes it away. And then why would Allah would do that? Well, we know there is something called Nasikh in the Quran and Mansur. In Surah Al Baqarah, it says, If an ayah we revoke, Nansakh means revoke, we take it back. Nunsiha means we make you forget it from the Nisiyan. Nunsiha, pay attention. Nunsiha means make it forgotten. Forgotten from where? From the brain of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's not from the people. The people they receive from Muhammad. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whatever he receives from, whatever he conveys as Quran is the Quran. Cannot be anything else. Whatever Allah Azza wa Jal reveals to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is there in the brain of Muhammad. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a messenger, he's selected by Allah as a messenger, then from this perspective, the perspective of taking the Quran and conveying it, he has no control whatsoever. As a human, he doesn't control that process. And that's part of the miracle of the Quran. Part of the miracle and the ijaz of the Quran is that Allah took care of the process of delivering his words into the brain and the heart and the nafs of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam such that it cannot be forgotten unless Allah azza wa jal wants to. إِلَّا مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ Allah knows everything, whatever is in the open or in the background, telling us that Allah knows what goes inside the brain, what goes outside. Allah knows, what is being, Allah knows what's being conveyed and Allah knows what's being installed. Allah knows what is being taught to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah knows what Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in public. Al-Jahra, Al-Jahra means the public. Wa the secrecy. Now that has another implication. It does have to do with the Quran and with the revelation and with the conveying of the message with the fact that all of this is secure, absolutely secure, absolutely confidential, absolutely protected, no ifs and buts whatsoever. It's nothing like the Bible or the Torah that it was compiled years later. It was never installed in the brains of the prophets. It was statements that were said and then the people compiled them and then they changed them the way they want. This is not 
that way absolutely. This is one. But Al-Jahr wa Ma it gives us a notion that, look, Allah Azza wa Jal, He knows what goes inside you and what goes outside. Every system in the world, every system, tries to have this damn obsession with collecting information. From the old Greek, Roman times until now. Now you have the FBI, the CIAs, the KGBs, everybody. It's about collecting information. You have women, wives, everyone. He wants to know what does your husband say? What does your brother say? I have all of this type of collecting information. Everybody wants to collect. You collect what is public. You cannot collect from me from inside me. I have to say it. If I don't say it, that's why when someone goes to interrogation by police, police gets the sham, a brother with da'wah, now they want to get information out of you. And they beat and they do electrifications, they do all types of things. If you don't talk, they don't get it. There is no way they can get information from inside. Absolutely. This is the external, external, it is our scope. Now they take it by force, they can force you, but you have to talk. If you don't bring it up, Al-Jahar, nobody can know. Allah Azza wa Jal came and He said, well, I know there is information which is inside that you did not say. There is something within you, you don't have to say it. I know it. This is beyond our scope. That's not something we can do. That's not what the people can do. Just like the first one. We cannot write into the brains of people and we cannot take out of the brain of the people. I cannot read your brain. And no matter all the research, all of these things that they talk about it, it had not reached any result. The results, you can't even call them at infancy. There is no result yet. There are speculations. There are speculations on what you think based on what you have said in the past. You said so many things, therefore I can make some conclusions. That's not reading inside. Allah says, I know what is hidden. And that to me now, and to the Prophet then, and to the Sahaba then, it was comfort. Look, the Sahaba know for sure that in the house of Abu Jahl, in Dar al-Nadwa, there is a place called Dar al-Nadwa, very two, fam two famous houses in Mecca, Dar al-Nadwa and Dar al-Arqam. In Dar al-Arqam was the revelation and the Quran and the Prophet and the Sahaba reading Quran and building Islam. In Dar al-Nadwa was Abu Jahl and Wadi bin Mughira, Abu Lahab and Ahmed bin Shuraib and Iblis sometimes, a shaitan, they come and conspire. The G8. Yeah. They are, especially when they say everybody out on the media, they just they have their uh, secretary of states. They start saying, oh, what are we going to do about Syria? Those Muslims look like they are close to uh, making a hit there. Ah, let's do something. We don't know what they are thinking. We don't know what they are conspiring. The Muslims did not know what was going on in Dar al-Nadwa. Allah Azza wa Jal says, I know. يَعْلَمُ الْجَهْرَ وَمَا يَخْفَى I know what's outside, I know what's inside. And if Allah knows, and He can take care of it. He can help. That gives me at least the comfort that someone who is absolutely unbiased, who is Al-A'la, who is Arab, who is pure, who is Munazzam, who is Musabbah, who is great, who is Khalaq, who is all of this, He knows what's going on in the background. That, to me, if someone comes and tells me, you know what, I have some like the Wikileaks. Oh, that Wikileaks knows some information about the correspondence between, let's say, Bush and Mubarak. It makes you feel good. Everybody in the world was, was cheering simply because at least one, he was able to know and he leaked information. There was a big issue. Now, Allah Azza wa says, you don't need the Wikileaks. Because there is someone who knows that before the Wikileaks, even before they talk about it. While it's still a conspiracy within their brains and hearts, I know about it. I know the intentions. I know every beat of their heart and every neuron of the brain 
wherever it shoots in order to make an idea, I know that. That's a big comfort. That's a big comfort for the one who wants to work for Allah And that is a big reason by itself for me to stay as close as possible to Allah to stay as musabbih to Allah as much as I can. To have Allah my Rabb all the time, to make sure that Allah is my source of guidance, to make sure that I worship Allah more than even I can afford to do. All the time, beyond the time, because Allah at least, at least, He knows what goes in the background which concerns me. At least for them. If it was nothing for them, that is more than enough. If it was nothing for the, the, the creation, that is more than enough. It was nothing for the guidance, it was nothing except for the guidance, that is more than enough. If it was nothing for creating me in the best manner, that's more than enough. Each and everything Allah has done is more than enough for me to stay as close as possible to Him, as obedient as possible to Him, as worshipping as possible to Him, as taking His deen with the most seriousness as possible as I can. All of these tells me I better be on the straight path with Allah And we'll stop right here and we'll continue inshallah next time. If there are any questions or comments or uh, any discussions, please go ahead. That Allah although He said, So Allah did provide the hidayah for all. So He even He says, means the way He wants and how He wants, and He did it. So He did provide the guidance, and it's at levels. The levels of those, the animals, the species, their hidayah is automatic. So He did that. For the people, for us, the hidayah in two ways. One way is the origin, which means the ability to choose, the ability to select. He gave that everybody. The ability, which means you can select, he can select. And the fact that you can select is from Allah Azza So Allah Azza gave that origin. In fact, last time when I uh, explained the ayah, فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ which way you want to go, exactly translated, and where do you want to go? There are two paths he was talking about. One path comes from Allah and one path, the shaytan. Because he said, They are the qawr rasul al-kareem and qawr shaytan rajim. There are two paths. Which way you want to go? And he there, he says, وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ he says, وَمَا هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ You will not choose, you will not choose any path unless Allah accepted or His Mashiach, he, he, he accepts for you to, to choose. Meaning, meaning that it's Allah who allowed you in the first place to make a choice. If Allah did not want you to make a choice, you will not. Then you will be just like the, the dogs or the donkeys or the camels. You have only one path. So there are two paths that Allah is the one who allowed you to make those selections. Now, furthermore, furthermore, in the Quran where he says about the book is a guidance, which is called, this is now, now I provide a guidance which is open for all. Guidance means rules, because guidance means two things. One, the rules by which you proceed, because when I tell you, where are the guidelines? You need some guidelines for something. So the guidelines now, the guidelines, Allah Azza wa provides guidelines for everybody. 
So the guidelines for everybody. The second one, the second is the ability, the ability to choose. So the ability to choose is for for everyone. And then Allah says, this would never have happened, this hidayah would never have happened, which is which means the ability to choose until and unless Allah Allah wanted that. So no one could have forced Allah to give us the ability to choose. So that's where he says that the hidayah, you could not have had hidayah unless Allah wanted that. So you would never, you could never have the ability to have a guidance, guidelines, to follow those guidelines if Allah chose otherwise. And could Allah, could Allah have chosen otherwise? He could, because he did for the elements. The elements, he told them, okay, you just live the way I tell you. You have no other choice. There is no choice there. So that is one side, one type, and the other type, which is us, the human. And in this case, Allah Azza wa Jal, when, when he says, يَهْدِي مَنْ وَيُضِلُّ مَنْ in, uh, I think that's what you are referring to. guides or misguides, whoever he wants. This comes to the third type of hidayah. So the first type is the ability to choose. The second type is the fact that there is there are books and guidelines. And the third one is the support. Now the support, which Allah says, in fact, there is one specific place in the Quran where it says there is a group of people that Allah would never guide them except to the path of Jahannam. Allah would definitely give them the guidelines to the path of Jahannam. Talking about a specific people who have already chosen, who have already chosen to be kuffar, who have chosen to drop the Quran and not to use it, then Allah says, these people who have who have revoked the first two parts, who have let's say defaulted on them, then now they will not take my support. So the support now says, now I am a Muslim, I accepted the choice to be a Muslim, I take the Quran as a guidance from Allah Azawajal, now oh Allah Azawajal, I need your support. Okay, I'm on your side, give me the support, just like I said a few minutes ago. I'm on your side, you have all types of information, take care of those conspirators against me. That I can ask Allah Azawajal to do, and Allah will do it. But for those who say, oh, I have a choice to be a Muslim or a Kafir. I am atheist. This is a Quran that was given to Muslims and I was supposedly originally from among the Muslims. Forget it, I want to be a secular. I want to take my oath from the shaitan, from whoever. And then, after that, say, now I need some help from Allah to get me some victory, to get me some support, he will not do that. So that hidayah, the last part, that pertains to the group of people who have already passed the first two categories of Hidayah. And there is more to it, but that's in brief. Any other question besides whether we have coffee or not? Sisters, do, we have, do you have any questions? If you are still there, I think they, they left a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they will pay that patient with us. We're spending too much time here. Okay. Any other? Okay. Is that? Is that? It was a complaint last time. Huh? It was a complaint last time. Against me? Yes. Okay. So the uh, complaint was like this. You mentioned about, and I understood what you were saying, but it was said in a different manner. Yes. So the complaint came from the sisters, how can you call the women a sissy? Oh. We are, the, the complaint was they are strong. So my answer was basically you were referring to Kufar, you should have Yes. Not you. Yes. Uh, the Kufar of Mecca, they used to look downgrade the woman. So when they said, they are, they are giving them the names of female names, that is downgrading even the angels from their perspective, not me. 
Now, because the whole talk was, in our talk, is to say that you cannot in any way downgrade the woman. That's the whole discussion was this. But the kuffar of Mecca, part of their ignorance and arrogance, and their even type of perspective on women, even when they wanted to ridicule the malaika, the angels, they said, oh, those angels are nothing but females. And to them, a female was, uh, was something, a degraded uh, quality. Yeah. I think that's, uh, and if I have said it otherwise, then what I've said now overrides what I've said last time. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's the, the meaning word. Well, I'm glad someone catches up some, uh, some errors here, some mistakes, that's what we <laughs> Yeah, it means that they are, they are up. Yes. You have something? No, I just need to have to look at it. Okay. Okay, Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran Tafsir, and Sira are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.